Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, OTAs are underway. And for those who are wondering what that means, OTA stands for Organized Team Activity. It's just a fancy phrase or acronym, whatever you want to call it, for a spring practice in the NFL, which is no pads, helmets and shorts, um, really what it boils down to is you, the Packers using the next few weeks to install their playbooks on offense and defense, which makes this set of OTA sessions not quite your garden variety annual OTAs because the Packers have brand new offensive coordinator, brand new defensive coordinator. There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of change even for the veteran players who are coming back with what they need to learn. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting year because you have guys like Clay Matthews who are going to be learning a new playbook for the first time in their career uh, after working solely in Dom's caper system for, I mean, the better part of nine years. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's always interesting. There's always some small, minor tweaks that you notice, whether it's how players are utilized or, you know, just changes that players have made uh, in their own, you know, body and, and conditioning. The, the thing I guess I look for the most in this, and you touched on it, was the installation. Uh, so in, in some ways, this is sort of like an exaggerated walkthrough. Uh, but at the same time, you're getting so many different guys meeting at a center point. The rookies coming in for the first time uh, and practicing now with the veterans and having to catch up to speed. Uh, the veterans in this particular instance, both on offense with Joe Philbin now back as offensive coordinator and with Mike Pettin as a defensive coordinator, learning what's going to be asked of them in the scheme. Jimmy Graham coming in as a free agent. So uh, it's like it's been four months of build to this point and yeah. now you have everybody kind of meeting at the crossroads on this 90-man roster yeah and if people are wondering just how how okay so how do you go about installing a playbook like what does that mean well it's about breaking down the playbook into the different segments and the different segments being the different situations that are part of a football game that's really the best way I can describe it and what I mean by that is you have your what are called your normal down and distance you know kind of your first and ten second and seven all that kind of stuff but then the rest of the game of football is all about situations third downs red zone short yardage goal line backed up which is when your offense is back like on its own five yard line you know where you have to kind of be careful how to how to make your way out so it's all about uh the the playbook has a certain set of situations and plays for all of those uh circumstances that come up and then obviously you have them both on offense and on defense so that's what they're walking through as you said it's kind of an exaggerated walkthrough although they do some stuff pretty close to full speed but it's not full contact because you don't have pads on yeah exactly and you got guys that you know you're hoping for at this point, and Mike McCarthy talked about it at his Tuesday morning news conference, you know, mental errors, cutting down on that, making sure the tempo is where it needs to be. Now, is it going to be at the same tempo that you're going to have in July or what you expect it to be in July? No. But if you're able to stay to that script and be efficient in the time that you have, these practices are so important from the standpoint of we know the restrictions that are in place now with the offseason program, and they've been in place for the last seven, eight years. Coaches have had to tailor their game plans to that. Players have had to adapt to it. Guys have had to do more studying, you know, and being in their playbooks. So when they are on the field, they're making the most of that time. Uh, and, and I think the thing for me that's always interesting as well is, you know, Aaron Rodgers is at these practices. You you have the top guys, at least the way the Packers do it with their workout bonuses and whatnot. 
more often than not, every year that I can remember, the top guys have been here, with maybe the exception of one year, I think, where maybe Sam Shields wasn't. Yeah. But otherwise, they have their incentives to They have show their incentives up and put to the be out there. In. So, what the point yeah. I'm trying to make with that is you have these rookie receivers coming in. This is their first work with Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Graham's first work with Aaron Rodgers. These guys getting up to speed, not only with the playbook, but also with the very best in the game at quarterback. So. Yeah, in some ways, it doesn't really have like this big hype and build like training camp does. The twenty training camp practices, where you know every day is so important, but it's still in its own right and own regard. It's in a very important time for these guys because after this, when you get through this segment of practices and you get to mini camps, once you know July twenty sixth comes around, guys have to be up to speed. Yeah, and that's that was a, a key point that Mike McCarthy made in talking about particularly the rookies and the young guys. And we'll talk a little bit later in the show about maybe some competitions that are getting started to keep an eye on. But you don't want to overplay the competition part of it at this stage. It's no. really, with especially with regards to the young players, Mike McCarthy made it very clear, it's about keeping up. He wants to see guys who can keep up mentally in the playbook, not look completely lost out there with the other veterans. And there will be stages through OTAs in the minicamp between now and the middle of June where veterans will be given the day off and then the coaching staff actually goes back through all of the things that haven't gone quite so well in the OTAs to that point right. with the rookies, and they review everything and give them a practice where they can focus on maybe some do-overs, so to speak, so that come the end of July, it's like everybody you know is in the starting blocks and let's go. Yeah, and I strongly encourage people not to pay too much attention to the depth charts. I mean, I've covered OTA practices yeah. where Alex Green took snaps before Eddie Lacy, before his eventual rookie of the year season, Matt Blanchard taking snaps before Brett Hunley back in 2015. That's just the way this thing goes. The veterans are going to be the guys leading the groups at first, but once you get to training camp, you know those things will start to sort themselves out. Yeah, all right. With that, we're going to go to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. back to Packers unscripted Mike Spofford in this chair Wes Hodkiewicz in that one so okay Wes the Packers have three weeks worth of OTAs here one each week is open to the public for those who are local that would be May 22 May 31 and June 4th before the mini camp then June 12th through 14th so three weeks of OTAs one week of mini camp What's the kind of the biggest thing maybe you've got your eye on as you go out to watch some of these workouts? Well, if you think about it, Mike, the Packers had four big acquisitions in the offseason. Jimmy Graham, Mo Wilkerson, Tremont Williams, and then also Deshaun Kaiser, who was acquired in that trade from the Cleveland Browns. Mike McCarthy has talked a lot about Kaiser this offseason. He even mentioned, I think it was shortly after the draft, um, that or it was a rookie orientation camp, actually, where... You know, he felt like if Deshaun Kaiser would have stayed another year at Notre Dame, he would have been in that same conversation with those top four or five quarterbacks in this year's draft yeah. class as yeah. far as, you know, the, the top ten and uh, in that area. They've Packers feel really good about the prospect they're getting. But as he also talked about on Tuesday, I mean, he's young, and he's having to learn a new system after dedicating himself to being the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns for 15 games as a 21-year-old rookie quarterback. So in some ways, you have to flush that now, move forward, and understand your role behind Aaron Rodgers. That competition for the number two spot between him and Brett Hundley, I've been very you know open about this since the day that they acquired him. I think this is the biggest competition the Packers have had now in you know, really 10 years, I think, going back to when Brian Brown was drafted and Matt Flynn came in. As far as the quarterback position. As far as the quarterback position, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. uh, 
two guys that I think have a lot of experience, have had a lot of playing time now in the NFL, getting a chance to uh, you know push each other now for that number two spot. Yeah, it's an interesting challenge for Kaiser because he goes from Notre Dame to the Cleveland Browns, and so you're learning a whole new yeah. offensive system as a rookie. And now his second year in the NFL, he's got to start over again and learn a whole new thing again now. He did go to Notre Dame, so there's got to be some, yes, you know, some absolutely. smarts there. I think he's going to pick things up, you know, fairly quickly, maybe relatively speaking. But uh, but that being said, this is this is a big challenge. This is not an easy situation for him to walk into, but he is walking into a situation where there's a coaching staff and a personnel department that really liked him coming out of college, and they're very interested to see how he can perform in this offense and with this coaching staff. And here's the other thing too, Mike. Frank Signetti, the new quarterbacks coach, uh, Mike McCarthy, all these guys that are going to be working with him. The one benefit that Kaiser had out of that season with the Browns is they have roughly 800 offensive snaps to review last year what happened in Cleveland. Now, like I said, there's going to be a transition going into this offense, but they can break down the mechanics. They can break down the decision-making. They can look at what he did and where the emphasis needs to be now that he's in Green Bay. That's a huge benefit. And in the same vein, Brett Hundley's in the same boat. Uh, After starting, I believe it was nine games last season for the Packers, uh, in the ups and downs that he experienced, the highs of you know Pittsburgh and some of the lows along the way, now trying to have those guys take the next step. By no means is either one of those guys a finished product at this point. And I think that's the thing Mike McCarthy's been preaching. In addition, uh, you know, you also uh, have, have Tim Boyle in that conversation as well, a guy right. that they're undrafted rookie as a undrafted rookie now out of Eastern Kentucky. So a lot of different things for the Packers to consider. Uh, but I think that that competition, seeing how all those guys push each other behind Aaron Rodgers will be one of the more compelling things to watch in training camp. Yeah. And as much as is going to potentially be written about it, we'll be talking about it on this show, uh, you know, through the spring, nothing is going to be decided as far as this number two quarterback thing until we get through the preseason. Yeah. There isn't even a decision made, I don't believe, as as to how many quarterbacks are going to be kept on the 53-man roster at the end of training camp. Right. This is just the beginning of what's going to be a long process to sort things out here for who will be the number two guy behind Aaron Rodgers should anything happen again. Hopefully it won't like last year. And Mike McCarthy has been very open about this. I'd say in the last four or five years, uh, if he had his druthers, he'd love to have four quarterbacks uh, on the roster at all times. You know, three guys on the roster, a guy on the practice squad. Sure. Uh, the mentality has kind of changed a little bit there. And yeah, while that fourth guy, if you would ever go that direction, isn't going to get much work. There is a benefit to being able to have them constantly in the meeting rooms and have them involved because of the, all the time you're missing now in the offseason program and, and obviously the encyclopedia of information that Aaron Rodgers is. The situation will play itself out. We've seen the Packers take four through the first three preseason games. We've seen them you know, go with three right at the start. They've, they've taken two into a season. They've taken three into a season. Basically, as you kind of alluded to, there's really been no set pattern. So seeing how these guys perform and who rises to that challenge is going to be ultimately what dictates who's going to be on that 53 and who will be around on week one. Yeah, well, another new acquisition you mentioned was Jimmy Graham, and I want to get to him after the break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Wes, Jimmy Graham, the Packers' new tight end. Again, an interesting situation because this will be the third consecutive year 
that Aaron Rodgers and the offense will be incorporating a new tight end and a potentially significant weapon yeah. in this offense right. um, into things. Jared Cook, 2016, 2017, Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks now in 2018. It's Jimmy Graham, certainly a, a, an accomplished player. When we heard from him at the start of off-season workouts in the middle of April, Sounded like, he sounded to me like a guy who was awfully excited to be here and to learn this offense and to work with Aaron Rodgers and to and to get things going. Kind of a, a guy who feels like maybe he's still got a little bit to prove when some of his statistics numbers from those years in Seattle obviously didn't match up to what he did in New Orleans. It's really funny though, Mike, because there's you know the stats being what they are. There's still a lot of tight ends out there that would have taken those. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but you know Graham set the standards so high in New Orleans with how he was utilizing his productivity Absolutely. in those four or five years that, you know, I, I don't know how many people could have reached that level uh, moving on to the next spot, but I think he sees Green Bay's offense. He sees the connection with Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy as a conduit to returning to that kind of form. Going back to the beginning of the offseason program, the first thing he stated when people asked, when reporters asked if he's still that same guy, he mentioned he still runs a four five. <laughs> he's still six foot seven. That's so right. Those tools he believes are still with him and now having the chance to come into Green Bay. Uh, this really, you watch you look historically at the way the Packers' offense is structured, and, and there's so many guys that if a guy gets cut or he becomes a free agent that fans are always like, you know, they need to sign him. Probably more than anybody during my time on the beat that's been linked to the Packers that's made more, like, Jimmy Graham's the one that's made the most sense. Yeah. Because of the parallels to what the Saints did and because of exactly how the Packers used the tight end in their offense. I thought Jared Cook was a great example of, of the type of body type and the type of player you want, Jermichael Finley. I think they got away from that a little bit with Martellus Bennett, but now bringing in Graham as a slot type receiver, a hybrid, I think is going to go a long way to getting this offense back to where it wants to be. Yeah, and when you look back to two years ago when Jared Cook came in, the impression that I got is that I think everything with Cook would have uh, progressed a lot faster and a lot more smoothly if not for the injuries. He had Two some big in, ones. he he had injury situations both in the off season and in the regular season. And then we saw when the Packers were below 500 in the middle of November and when Jared Cook was back to full strength suddenly the offense hit a different gear, you know, was was at a different level. Obviously, you don't want to have to wait till Thanksgiving for that to happen right. again here in 2018, but if Jimmy Graham is healthy with Aaron Rodgers, his knowledge, uh, his experience, I don't see the chemistry, the incorporation taking too long as long as both guys are on the field and getting their work in. Well, and Mike, go back to – let's go back to Jermichael Finley's rookie year and his second NFL season um, – and, and as he started to really come into his own as a tight end, what was the thing that worked so well for him? It was the fact that he could be in the slot, he could be on the boundary. No matter where he was lining up, he could be in line tight end. The defense had to respect that. The defensive yep. coordinator had to account for that. And really, that's why I've said before, I think the Packers, when this offense is at its best, has that type of threat in the offense. Randall Cobb, you don't know where he's going to be. Devontae Adams has shown he can play anywhere he needs to be, although obviously he, he got his contract and Pro Bowl accolades working from the outside. When you have that kind of multiplicity and that kind of versatility, I think it adds a different dimension. I, I've said it before, I'll say it one more time. 
the threat of a healthy Randall Cobb and having Jimmy Graham, their body types, how the different ways that they can be utilized, I think could really be the backbone of this offense going into 2018. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think if if fans are wondering who is the biggest X factor when it comes to this Packers offense, when you're talking about you know Philbin being back and the new playbook and you know Ty Montgomery being healthy again, the rookie running backs from last year having another year of experience. If I'm talking about one X factor for this offense in 2018, the guy at the top of my list is Graham. Yeah, it is. And I think, in my opinion, we'll see again how it plays out. Guys have to stay healthy, but this is one of the deeper cores the Packers have had offensively in terms of the competition. So I think seeing that cream rise to the top during training camp and how that really influences what that week one lineup looks like is going to be something that's going to be pretty exciting for fans to track. All right, with that, we will go to another break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, before we go, we have to touch on the defense here. I know we've been talking a lot of offense today on the show. You mentioned Mo Wilk—excuse me, Mo Wilkerson, obviously a key free agent acquisition in the offseason. Not sure exactly how much we're going to be able to see or tell about a guy like Wilkerson during OTAs when the pads aren't on. You know, there isn't the yeah. contact. I mean, I'm sure he's going to make his presence known, but we'll we'll definitely see more of that come training camp. On the defensive side of the ball, aside from uh, that, anything else you in particular will have your eye on? For the first time in nine years, eight years, the Packers have a new starting safety. That isn't Morgan Burnett, yeah. a guy that started every single game that he played for Green Bay. Haha, Clinton Dix, I think, has obviously picked up that mantle of leadership there. But who's going to be that guy that emerges? And the thing that's interesting about with Burnett is that it isn't just one spot, really. It's inside hybrid linebacker. It was him playing slot cornerback. It was obviously his strong suit at strong safety. The ways that Dom Capers used him, all right, that 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 piece of the puzzle is no longer there. So who emerges and steps up to that challenge? The Packers had a lot of different ways they could have addressed this. Could have went the draft, could have went free agency. They're sticking by their guy, and that's Josh Jones yeah. and, and Kentrell Bryce and Marwin Evans and the, the litany of we talked for these past two years about how deep the Packers are at safety. Well, they're going to tap into that now and see who it will emerge. Uh, Mike McCarthy talked about it on Tuesday morning, the fact that you know Josh Jones, the experience he had last year, kind of getting thrown into the fire in a lot of different positions, maybe was a little too much on his plate. This year the Packers are going to focus on one, maybe two positions with him and seeing how he responds to that. I think watching who emerges at that, uh, that safety spot next to uh, HaHa Clinton-Dix and who else could push for playing time in the nickel and dime packages, uh, that's going to be one of the intriguing things. And also how a guy like Mike Pettin likes to use those players. Uh, discovering that along this process will be, will be something to watch. Yeah, and that's what I'll be watching for too just in terms of because with Mike Pettin, you know, the, the question of, you know, well, do you run a 4-3 or a 3-4? And his answer is yes. Yeah. You know, So I, want, I just want to watch and see with regards to the front seven when you're talking about Wilkerson, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, uh, Oren Burks, Dean Blake Lowry. Martinez, Jake Ryan, yeah. you know Dean Lowry—all these guys that are in the in the front seven—you know they're going to be in the mix. Okay, so how many how many different alignments, how many different combinations, maybe are we going to see as uh, as we head through the spring and get towards training camp? Will there be some four three looks? Will there be the the classic three four looks? Obviously, with the with the nickel. Um, you know, you're only going to have the, the the two inside linebackers, but then who are those guys on the edge? You know, who are who are the key interior rushers? Uh, the Packers have 
a lot of options, certainly on the interior with regards to the front seven. I think we're going to be keeping an eye on just uh, what further options develop uh, on the edge aside from Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, the proven veterans. And the main reason, in addition to the fact that, you know, Petten is multiple, you know, his whole likable and learnable, uh, but but appearing com- more complex than it is, that is a staple of the scheme that he runs, the, sta- the scheme that Rex Ryan ran, and how this defense has been passed down to them. But as, if you look just strictly at Green Bay's roster, defensive line, this isn't, in all due respect to Ryan Pickett, but this isn't the 2009-2010 team. Great defenses, but those guys were just... They were just in the middle of that defense. They were pluggers. Eating up blocks. Yep, they were pluggers. Freeing guys up. No doubt. Now, these guys, the way that the league has evolved here with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and a guy like Mo Wilkerson, these guys can do it all. Yeah. So how do you implement that? And then the other thing I'll be tracking, too, I don't know if we're going to be able to see it at all during training camp, is Muhammad Wilkerson has played upwards of 80% of the defensive snaps throughout his NFL career. This guy doesn't come off the field. Yeah, he's a workhorse, no doubt. That doesn't happen often with defensive linemen. These yeah. guys get in rotations. You usually don't want them above six, 700 snaps. Well, Mike Daniels has been in that realm as well. Kenny Clark played a lot last season. How do you divide that up? Um, you know, Wilkerson said he talked to Mike Pettin about it, the vision that they have for him in this defense. And obviously, while he did not tip his hand to what that vision is, he obviously liked what he heard because he's in Green Bay. Yeah, and I don't like to get into the uh, the X's and O's of things too much. And I'll be honest with you, when I'm watching practice from the sidelines, it's a lot harder to kind of follow the X's and O's than when we're sitting up in the press box right. during a game and you can see, you know, the, the chess pieces and, and how they're moving around, like how Clay Matthews is moving right. around, you know, as an example, which is something the Packers have done for a lot of years. So we'll be talking about this as we go through. Things are just getting started here in the spring. But I'll say this, Wes, it's actually kind of fun that, you know, we're at least to this stage of the offseason because the draft is over, the players are here, let's go. Dozens of inbox entries that we've written (laughs) speculating on how this all is going to look, and it'll probably be nothing what we anticipate it to be. That is always the most important and fun part of the offseason. Yeah, all the changes. And what changes and what we haven't expressed, we'll certainly express on this show. So with that, we'll sign off on Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.